Our reading this evening comes from Colossians 4, verses 7 to 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and a faithful minister and faithful servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Anisimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it, that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So we end our reading. In a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channels threatening him with her fist if he didn't. What makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, he asked. These five fingers, says Lucy. Individually they're nothing, but when I curl them together into this single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want, he asked. Turning away, he looks at his fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organised like that? We're at the end of Colossians, and whilst the whole of the book of Colossians is about living a life free under Christ, about learning to live a Christ-centred life, it's in this final passage that Paul mentions all the different people who have been involved in sharing the good news of Jesus, all those people who together have become a force to be reckoned with. And the message here is clear. We can do more together. We're in this together. There's no one who can effectively do God's work all by themselves. No one. Now, it's been absolutely ages since I went to the cinema, but I'm the kind of person who likes to get up and leave as soon as the credits start to roll. Richard, on the other hand, likes to sit and look at every single one of them. He likes to see who's been involved in making the film and where it was filmed, if there were any special credits. He'll even Google facts about the film afterwards. It's that bad. But he likes to know stuff about what's been going on, whereas I struggle to remember who the main actor or actress was. When you read Paul's letters, it's easy to think that he was some sort of one-man band, going from place to place, doing extraordinary things all by himself. But it's here at the end of this letter, that there's a whole cast list, as it were, 
a list of credits of different people who have helped him, or rather worked alongside him. Paul did not work alone. He had encouragement along the way, and he followed Jesus' example. Just as Jesus always travelled with disciples, he had companions too. He gave credit where credit was due, and he loved to praise others for what they'd done. He was a team player. Not only did he need help like we all do, but he was more than willing to accept it and had a whole load of people that we read about in this passage who worked alongside him. So I want us to just look at those people in turn because there's something we can learn from each one of them. The first two were Tychicus and Onesimus and they were faithful messengers. Tychicus carried the letter to the Colossians. Verses 7 to 8 tells us um, Tychicus, which I hate saying because I'm bad at saying it, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and he may encourage your hearts. He was the one who took the letter to the Colossians, which whilst it sounds simple, it really wasn't. Paul was in prison over a thousand miles away and my geography is not great, but even I know that that means travelling many, many miles over different countries and crossing a couple of seas. I used to think that our postman had it bad when the dog saw him coming, but turns out he didn't. But of course, Tychicus did a lot more than that. Paul says he's a dear brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. He travelled with Paul on some of his uh, journeys, and at this point he'd been back in Rome with Paul. He'll be with Paul when Paul writes his letter to Titus. He'll be with Paul again during Paul's final Roman imprisonment when he writes his second letter to Timothy. And when Timothy has to leave Ephesus, Paul will send him there to look after the church. He is a great example of someone who has been trusted with little and then trusted with greater things. He is a faithful servant in the Lord. We've been talking about living life with Christ at the centre and here we see an example of someone whose service was centred most definitely in the Lord. So he did a lot more than just deliver a letter. He spoke to them about Paul's situation and most of all he encouraged them. He did, he did that with various groups of people. But what about Onesimus? Well he was a runaway slave and he's spoken of in the letter to the Philemon. But verse 9 in our reading said, He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. So he was described as a faithful and dear brother. He came to Christ through Paul's witness, and Paul was sending him back, no longer a slave, but a dear brother in Christ. Paul wrote that there's neither slave nor free we can do so much more when we realise we're all in this together. And Onesimus is an example of that. In verses 10 to 11, we hear of Paul's Jewish co-workers, followed later on by uh, the Gentile ones that he worked alongside. But once again, this reinforces the idea that we're all equal under Christ. Since we're told earlier that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Verse 10 says... 
My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes, welcome him. First is Aristarchus, who was a fellow prisoner. We know from the book of Acts that he was a Macedonian Jew from Thessalonica and that he was shipwrecked on the, uh, with Paul on the island of Malta. Then there was Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, and who was restored to ministry. He began the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, but deserted him on the road. Paul and Barnabas disagreed over Mark, and then they parted company. And later on, we discover that Mark is with the Apostle Peter, but <coughs> at this moment here, he's in Rome with Paul. It's incredible to see that Mark is once again working with Paul, even though he deserted him on that first missionary journey. This is probably why Paul tells the Colossians to welcome him, in case they remember what he did and hold a grudge against him. But this relationship has clearly been restored because Paul later calls for Mark to come to him during his final imprisonment. Thomas Edison was working on a crazy thing called a light bulb and it took a whole team of men a straight 24 hours to put just one together. The story goes that when Edison was finished with the one light bulb, he gave it to a young boy helper who nervously carried it up the stairs. Step by step, he cautiously washed his hands, obviously frightened to drop in this priceless piece of work. You probably guess what happened. The poor young lad dropped the bulb at the top of the stairs and it took an entire team of men a further 24 hours to make another. Finally, tired and ready for a break, Edison was ready to have this bulb carried up the stairs. He gave it to the same young boy who dropped the first one. That is true restoration and forgiveness. Everyone has a past. Everyone fails from time to time. But if Mark teaches us anything... It's that God can use you regardless of that. Even when things go horribly wrong, which sometimes they do, God can transform any situation. I once heard it said that just because you have a past, it doesn't mean you can't have a future. Mark was restored to ministry, even though he'd messed up. God is the God of second chances. And then we come to justice in verse 11. And it says... Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. A fellow worker for the kingdom of God. Jesus was a common name at the time, so Paul refers to him by his second name, Justice, just to make it clear who he's on about. We don't know a lot about him, but we know he was one of three Jews working with Paul at the time. It really helped having Jews on his team because many of the Jews were hostile to him and his message. Paul's message might have been thought of as just for the Gentiles, but he equally had a longing for his fellow Jews to hear the good news of Jesus. And then we move on to the three Gentiles. They are Epaphras, Luke and Demas. Verse 12 tells us, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. He was the founder at the church in Colossae. And we're told he's always wrestling in prayer for them. He was a prayer warrior. And the focus of his prayers were that 
they might stand firm in all the will of God, mature and assured. What a prayer. Imagine what life would look like if we as a church stood firm in all the will of God. All the will of God. It's beyond our imagination, I'm sure. But let's pray that prayer for Brighton Road. Let's pray that we will stand firm in all the will of God. We also know that Epaphras, along with being a man of prayer, was a very hard worker. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. That phrase, working hard, it means physical manual labour. He worked hard not only for the Colossians, but for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis too. We need more people like Epaphras in our churches today. People who not only work hard, but people who will wrestle in prayer for God's people. Hard-working prayer warriors. And then we come to Luke. I'm sure we've all heard of Luke, even if we've not heard of some of the others. Verse 14 speaks of the greeting sent by Luke and Demas. It was Luke who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And he was a good friend of Paul and went with him on some of his missionary journeys. Remember, Mark was with Paul at this time too, so we actually have two of the gospel writers with him at the same time. And then we have Demas. He's only mentioned, we don't really learn anything specific about him. But we know from 2 Timothy that he later on deserted Paul when he was in prison in Rome for the second time. People are flawed. No one is perfect. And it's good to remember that whilst people can let you down, God never will. We are indeed all in this together, but it's God on whom we should all depend. Demas is someone who didn't finish well. Let's remind ourselves that the Christian life is not a hundred metre dash, but it's a marathon. And so we need to keep our minds on things above. Make sure that our lives are constantly Christ-centred, that we keep him at the centre of everything we do. So after extending all of these greetings from those with him in Rome, in verses 15 to 17, Paul focuses on the recipients of the letter. First of all, there's Nympha. The church met at her house in the early days. It wasn't for a good couple of hundred years that churches owned buildings. They met together in each other's homes. And this church was probably the church at Laodicea. Whilst this was written to the Colossians, Paul knew this was also relevant to the church there too. Just as it's relevant for us today, thousands of years later. And finally, we have a man named Archippus. Verse 17 says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. Whatever his role, he was involved in some type of ministry, or he was in dan- but he was in danger of stopping before he had completed the work that God had given him to do. Perhaps he was tired, perhaps he was discouraged, perhaps he was distracted. Whatever the case, Paul encourages him to complete the work that he received in the Lord. Notice the phrase, in the Lord. It's Christ, no one else, who needs to be at the centre of all we do. It's Christ's work that we should undertake, not our own. It's easy to decide to give up when things get tough, but we're told to complete the work that God has given us to do. We should keep on with the task 
that God has given us until he moves us on to something else. Again, that's about following God and not following man. So, Tychicus, Anisimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nympha and Archippus, not forgetting Paul, of course. What a cast list. What a lot of people working together for the work of God. They were able to do so much more together. They were in this together. And then in verse 18, we receive a greeting from Paul himself. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. He'll have dictated most of his letters, but this was a personal touch. And perhaps some people say to guard against forgery. But he says, remember my chains. Sometimes we might think that we suffer for the sake of the gospel. And sometimes we might. But Paul was a man who knew all too well what it meant to suffer for the gospel. And during this time of suffering, he never got tired of speaking about God's grace. The final words in the letter to Colossians are, grace be with you. Like I said before, he began the letter saying grace and peace to you from God the Father. That was verse two. And now he ends with grace. We all need God's grace. There's a story about a man named Jimmy Durant, one of the greatest entertainers of his time. He was asked to be part of a show for World War II veterans. He told them his schedule was very busy and he could only spare a few minutes. But if they wouldn't mind him doing one short monologue, then immediately he would leave for his next appointment. Then he'd come. Of course, the show's director agreed. And he went on stage, but something interesting happened. He went through the short monologue and then he stayed. The applause grew louder and louder and he kept on staying. Pretty soon it had been 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes. And finally he took a last bow and left the stage. Backstage someone stopped him and said, I thought you had to go after a few minutes. What happened? Jimmy answered, I did have to go, but I can show you the reason that I stayed. You can see for yourself if you look down on the front row. In the front row there were two men, each of whom had lost an arm in the war. One had lost his right arm and the other lost his left. Together they were able to clap and that's exactly what they were doing, loudly and cheerfully. We're all in this together. We need to be part of a team when doing God's work. We need to encourage one another and support one another. God calls us throughout Colossians, throughout the whole Bible, to live a Christ-centred life. He is central to absolutely everything. He's central to creation, to redemption, to the church. He's central to the gospel. He's central to relationships. He's central to ministry. He's central to life. Whatever situation you face, keep Christ at the centre. And everything else should take care of itself. Amen. As we prepare for communion, we're going to sing the song that reminds us of, again, of the grace that uh, 